Thanks, Daniel. Uh, my name is Ron Cole. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside. It's a joy to welcome all of you here. Especially we're to welcome to any of you who might be visiting with us. It, it's great to have you here. We're glad that you've joined us, and we hope and pray you experience a, a warm welcome. I want to take a look at a passage of Scripture we've actually looked at before a number of years ago. But it's one of my favorite passages to think about as we begin summer and this holiday. I pray you have a great Memorial Day weekend, but it's also a holiday where we sort of kick off summer. And so I want to think about uh, this passage of Scripture. It helps us think about being outdoors and about creation and about animals and all sorts of things. So uh, with a lot of kids with us yet today here again, uh, it's a good passage for us to look at. It's, it's Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, verses 24 to 28. Now you may know that a lot of the Proverbs were written, written by King Solomon. Uh, in all of his wisdom. Solomon wrote a lot of the Proverbs, but these are actually the Proverbs of Agur, a guy by the name of Agur. This chapter 30 starts, and it's the sayings of Agur, the son of Jacob. So this is another person, Agur, who's going to be talking to us this morning with his inspired utterances. And as, uh, as we go through this, I just need to say a word of thanks to a guy by the name of Haddon Robinson. He's passed away now, but uh, one of my preaching professors who was really helpful in putting together this sermon, all right? So I want to start off with a little bit of fun here. Um, start off with some strange but true animal facts, all right? And you can kind of see how you do on these. First of all, how many times, how many times in one second can a woodpecker peck? How many times? It's 20. It's 20. If you're really fast, you can tap your finger 10 times in one second. Think of a woodpecker doing twice as fast as that, 20 times every second that woodpecker can peck his head against that tree. How long can a snail sleep? Believe it or not, it's up to three years, which is only slightly longer than a high school student because uh, they kind of like sleep and as sophomores and wake up just before they graduate. It seems like that anyway. All right, here's an interesting fun fact. How long can a cockroach live without a head? This is why you crush cockroaches, okay? If you cut off their heads, they can still live for a week. A cockroach can live for up to a week without its head. How, what percentage... What percentage of polar bears are left-handed? 100%. Every polar bear is left-handed. I don't know why, and I don't know who figures it out, but every polar bear is left-handed. How long can a goldfish remember something? The little goldfish brain, how long can it remember something, if it learns something, if it knows where the food is? Three seconds, which is slightly longer than a middle school student. <laughs> Sorry. And then, how many dust mites does a typical bed have? You, you don't want to know. <laughs> Look it up if you want, but I'm not going to ruin your day or your night's sleep. We could go on. It's amazing how many, how many fun facts there are. The animal kingdom that God created it, and, and, and different things. Did you know that ants, if they're intoxicated, will only fall over on their right side? I don't know who got ants intoxicated, but that's what they do. They fall over on their right side. Elephants are the only animals that can't jump, though I'm getting there. Um, you know, I mean, we know all about animals, right? We know all sorts of things, and it's fun to study animals. It's fun to learn about them. It's fun to see how God designed them. God created them. God put them together in a different, all sorts of different ways. We can learn all sorts of things about animals, but what Agar wants us to know this morning what this wise man wants us to know this morning is not only should we know about animals, we can learn from animals. We can learn some extremely important lessons about life and about how to be safe and about how to make it through the challenges of our lives by looking at animals. And I think it's really important for us to recognize that the animals 
that the animals that Agar wants us to learn from are all little animals, okay? They are not big animals. We'd, we'd like to believe that, that we can learn how to be strong from lions, how we can learn to be fast from cheetahs, how we can learn to be wise from owls, right? You think about the names of, of sports teams, right? It's the lions, it's the bears, it's the tigers, it's all of this. <laughs> Agar wants to say, uh, point of order here, excuse me, but uh, you have a lot more to do with lizards than you do with lions, You're a lot more like a locust, a grasshopper, than you are like some strong bear. He says, if you want to know how to get through life, learn from the little animals. Learn from the small ones. Proverbs 30, starting at verse 24, Agur says this. He says, four things on earth. He's going to give us four animals. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants. (laughs) He says, ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Conies, I'll show you a picture of one. It's also called a rock badger to give you a little bit of an idea. Conies are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. And he said, think about a lizard. A lizard can be caught with a hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. So what I want us to do this morning is just learn a little wisdom about life. Learn some lessons about how we can make it through the brokenness, the pains, the challenges, the difficulties, the temptations of our world by taking these lessons from little guys, all right? So we start with an ant. We start with an ant, and Agar tells us that ants are creatures of little strength. Now, some of you might be thinking, excuse me, that's not true, right? Because in some ways, ants are actually quite strong. Uh, Compared to their body weight, they can lift like 10 times their body weight, some of them 20 times their body weight. And, 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 And so in comparison, for their size, you might argue that they're strong. (laughs) But remember, it's for their size. (laughs) And they don't hardly weigh anything. Fact of the matter is, you are not going to worry this afternoon about a, an ant taking off with your television or your hamburger or your hot dog, right? I mean, it's just not going to happen. At the end of the day, an ant may be strong for its size, but that's for its size, and, and ultimately, it's not really that strong. But Agar says, that little ant brain knows something, okay? That little ant brain is doing something that is extremely wise, and you ought to, you ought to recognize it. You ought to think about it, because that ant who's not very strong... They store, up, they store up food in the summer. Well, what he's talking about here is that when the days are good for ants, when the, the food is plentiful, when the sun is shining and the grass is growing and everything is, people are outside having picnics and dropping food and all that stuff, that's when the ants are out there, but they're not relaxing. The ants are out there keeping their little ant noses to the ant grindstone. They're, out, they're making hay while the sun shines. You look at an ant in the summertime and that ant is busy. It's gathering up food, it's taking it somewhere, and it's not getting food for the day, okay? It's not, an ant could find food for the day in five minutes in the summertime. An ant doesn't have to work very hard in the summertime at all, but that little ant knows something. You know what it knows? Winter is coming. That little ant brain knows that someday it's not going to be summer. Someday it's going to be winter. And so they need to store up food. They need to get ready, not for today because today is going well, but they need to get ready for tomorrow when the storm strikes. They need to get ready for tomorrow when nobody's dropping potato chips. You see the ants at work. You'll see them probably today or tomorrow. Many of us will eat outside, right? It's a holiday weekend, either today or tomorrow. We'll be outside munching on our burger, chewing on our chips, drinking our tall glass of iced tea or whatever is your beverage, but we'll be doing that and we'll be relaxing and sitting back and the ants will be hard at work carrying off the sugar one grain at a time. They'll come back a little bit later and they'll pick up the chips 
and they have a really affinity for Ritz bits. Okay, that's photoshopped, okay? But, you know, it's, but, right, I mean, the ants do that, right? They take away the food. They, they, they're just going to be constantly busy. They're going to be constantly working because they know, they know that the winter is coming. What's the lesson? Well, the, the lesson is store up resources in the good times for the tough times. It's probably wise financially, right? Some of you know that in business-wise. But, but we were talking about spiritual-wise, that we've got to store up resources in those days when it's good. I hope, I hope, we all have, I hope, really good times. I hope there are times in your life when believing comes easy. I hope there are times in our lives where when we read the Bible, it just speaks to us. When we turn open a devotional, and we're excited about it. When we're singing songs at church, we just want to sing them with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. We're celebrating the goodness of God. It's a, it's a marriage. It's a baby. It's a graduation. It's a new job. And, and those are summer times for faith. And I hope you have a lot of summer times. But, but here's the temptation. When it's summertime for us in our faith, when things are going well in our spiritual lives, the temptation is just to kind of say, this is great. I know God is there. I don't struggle. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it a bit. But I'll tell you, in the summer, you've got to remember that winter is going to come. And it comes to all of us. It comes in different ways. Sometimes it's that phone call from the doctor saying there's a spot on your lung. The blood work for your child is kind of funny. We need to check it out. The police call. Somebody you thought you could trust betrays you. A child walks away from the faith. And I'll tell you, when, it, when it's winter in faith, when you just can't experience God's presence, it is really tough. Because you open up that Bible and where you met God before, he's just not there. And, and you open up that devotional, that one that really has just shaped you and changed you, and you find that you read one sentence, you want to throw it down and say, I don't believe it anymore. You go to church, you start to sing the songs, and you just stop and you can't do it anymore. There are times in our lives where we can't take up new stuff. In the winter of our faith, it's really hard. And you know what we got to live on? we got to live on what we built up, what we stored up, on what we memorized, on what we grabbed onto, on what we hid deep inside of our hearts. I, I, I'll never forget, I shared this before, but I'll never forget George Mussel, who was pastor with me here for so many years. Those of you who've been here a long time know that. George and I were great friends. We had a lot of fun together. George had several heart procedures. He had one done in Muskegon. I drove up to see him the night before the procedure, and uh, we laughed and gave him a hard time, and, and, and you know, we, we did a lot of stuff. But then I said, George, I need to be your pastor right now, and I need to pray for you. I'll never forget what he said. He wasn't serious very often, but he said, you better because I can't pray for myself. He said, I'm a professional prayer. <laughs> I get paid to do this. I've done this hundreds of thousands of times. I'm a professional prayer, but I can't pray right now because I'm really scared, and it's winter, and, and I'm feeling, and so I need to have you do that. I need to draw on the strength that I've got. That's what it's like. Some of you know this so powerfully, what it's like to go through that valley, that time when you wonder if, if God is there, and, 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 and so we need to. In those days when we know God is with us, we need, we need to store up. Store up what? Well, as we look through Proverbs, as we look through Scripture, I think one of the main things, and I'll just mention one thing here, but one of the main things is we need to store up God's Word. Your Word have I hidden in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. Proverbs is all about seeking wisdom, about taking God's word, about driving it deep, about understanding who God is, about growing our faith roots, and about just, and again, think about it, just storing up God's word. This is why I, I get passionate about memorizing scripture. This is why I get passionate about, about singing songs. Because so often for so many of us, it's a song, right? So I'll stand with arms wide and heart abandoned in awe of the one. I gave it all. I, I stand. My soul, Lord, to you surrendered. All I have is yours. Rock of ages cleft for me. Let, my hide, let me hide myself in thee. Right? So uh, I tell you, when you get into that valley, when you're in that dark place, it's, it's, it's scripture and song. And those things are the ones that are going to sustain us. And we're building up and we're, we're chewing on and we're living on that which is built up before. And, and so Agar says, Agar says, look at, the, look at the ant, okay? When you see him running around with your potato chips this summer, when you see him taking off with the Oreo cookies, remember that he's getting ready for winter. And remember, sometime winter's going to hit. And you need, you need to have some of God's word stored up. So the ant, store up on God's word. The next one that he talks about, is the coney, all right? I know you've been wondering what a coney is, what it looks like. Conies are creatures of little power. <laughs> they are. This is what the little guy looks like. About the size of a small badger, all right? But he's built like a guinea pig, okay? Built like a guinea pig. You notice he's got the short ears, got the short little tail in the back, got the short little legs. Built like a guinea pig. They're often brown or gray in color, depending on the rocks, really. They adapt. Uh, they're, so they're, they, they look kind of like this. It's called a rock badger, called a coney. Three things I want you to know about these animals, okay? First of all, they are not fast. You know, those little legs, the proportion of leg to body there is just not going to get them anywhere very fast. They work like crazy, and they can go into training. They can do all sorts of stuff, but they're just, they're going to work hard, but they're never going to get anywhere very fast. If they're out in the open and, and, and they're in trouble, they're, they're, they're in big trouble. They're not very fast. Second, they're not very fierce. These are not terribly dangerous animals in a fight. I mean, you look at the claws, right? I mean, most of them are rounded off. <laughs> they can't scratch you. They can't tear you apart. And look at those cute little teeth. And you see those little things? I mean, you know, I mean, come on. It's going to scratch you, but it's not going to kill you. It's not going to hurt you that bad. The conies, they're just not that powerful. They're not very fast. They're not very fierce. But the third thing is they taste really good, <laughs> especially if you're a fox or a wolf, <laughs> an eagle or a vulture. Uh, wolves have, I've been told, a special place for coney dogs. Thank you. <laughs> I had to, right? No, I mean, the, these, these predators, they come, and, and, and when they come and they see a coney, a coney they're, they're after it. They're, they're flying down. An eagle sees it, and they take off. And, and here's the deal. Because that it's not fierce, because it's not fast, the, the, the coney, it can't run very far very quickly. I mean, if an eagle sees it, it starts swooping down, that coney is just gone. Fox is after it, and, and, and a coney can't turn around and fight because it's not real fierce. It's not fast, not fierce, but it's awfully good tasting. So how does a coney live? What does this little weak creature know? Again, that little crony brain is a lot smaller than yours, but it's pretty smart. Conies are creatures of little power. You know what they do, though? They make their homes in the crags. It's the rocks. Conies never get very far, at least conies who live long. They never get very far 
from the rock. You can hardly see him in there, right? It's a little hard to pick out right above those words because you see safety is only found in the rocks. A smart coney and a live coney stays by the rock. It's able to, when the eagle comes, it's able to climb down to one of those crevices. It's able to hide itself in one of those places and the foxes can't get at it, the wolves can't get at it. And it might come out, do a little hunting or a little bit of grabbing some food or so on, but it's never going to get very far away from those rocks. It's far away from the rocks, it's on its own. On its own, it's dead. Stay close to the rocks, Eger says. A coney is smart enough, with his little old brain, a coney is smart enough to stay close to the rocks. Here's for us. You know, we're pretty competent people, but in reality, we're not very fast. Or very fierce. And I'm not talking physically, I'm talking spiritually. We are so vulnerable to temptation. We can be picked off by the enemy, and our faith can get shattered. So I think what Edgar is saying is, friends, stay close to the rock. Stay close to the rock. It's our hope. It's our salvation. It's the place where we hide ourselves. The fact is, I can't stand up to the, to the to tools of the devil. I can't stand up to, to the temptations that are in my life. What I need is to hide myself in the rock of ages. Like I said, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. That's what it's about. A mighty fortress. We sang it earlier. A mighty fortress is our God. And I can hide myself in him. Stay close to the rock for us. That's stay close to Jesus Christ. You know, we think we can make it on our own. We think we can go where we want and do what we want. Before we know it, boom, we're gone. We're no better than a coney. We're no stronger. We're no faster. Stay close to Jesus. Hide in him. Let him take care of you. The storms still strike, but nothing, nothing can take you out of his hands. The ant store up on God's word. The coney, stay close to the rock. (laughs) The locust, the locust, the grasshopper, right? Locusts, locusts, they have no king. I'll tell you why it says that in a minute. But they're also small animals, right? They're not very big. Here's a picture of one. You, you see them, grasshoppers, right? It's getting close to that time of the year where they'll be out. They're not very big. You can catch them in your hands. Kids put them in jars. Don't forget to punch holes in the top so the little thing can live. But you can catch them like this. They, they don't necessarily scare us, though sometimes if we're honest, sometimes they startle us, right? If you're walking through a field and all of a sudden a grasshopper takes off, you might jump back a little bit. And when you realize this is just a grasshopper, you say, well, I don't need to worry about this. It's just... A grasshopper. That's what it is. Just a locust. Just a little old thing that bounces around. Locusts have no king. But see, that locust, it, its little brain knows something. They advance together in ranks. You see, one locust is one locust. But over a million locusts are a problem. They are swarms, they are plagues. This is a picture from Australia several years ago. Locusts are amazing creatures when they get together. It's a weird thing. Every once in a while, all of a sudden, you'll get the conditions right, and all the locusts will come, and something will change in their brains, and they will all start to... They don't have anybody telling them what to do, but they will all get into ranks, and they will all advance. In an area of a quarter mile, you can have up to 80,000, okay? 
up to 80,000, a quarter mile, or a square half mile, a quarter, whatever, half mile, half mile, half mile. So in a mile, it's 320, up to 320,000 locust grasshoppers. And in, a, in two square miles, we're over a million. I've read that there can be 460 square miles. Can you imagine that? 460 million grasshoppers. One can't stop anybody. Nobody can stop 460 million. Now, you can grab one, any one you want. You can stop any individual one. You can crunch any individual one. But when they get together and they start to destroy stuff, and that's why even today, locust plagues can be damaging. Uh, Madagascar uh, recently had a uh, 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 locust plague. The locusts were eating 35,000, uh, enough food, rather, to feed 35,000 people every day. So you do that for 10 days, and 350,000 people are out, you know, out of food and animals and all that stuff. And these things can, can really, they can topple kingdoms. Little old grasshopper. You see, they, they advance together. They're smart enough to know one thing, that when they're together, they have great power, right? Together they can topple kingdoms. Again, for us, well, on our own we can't do much. The world is not afraid of Ron. The world is not afraid of Ron, and it shouldn't be. The devil is not afraid of Ron, and he shouldn't be. But when Ron and Jackie and Jamie and Pete and Marty and all down the list, when all of us gather together as God's family, when all of us serve together, loving and giving and caring and reaching out and, and, and not devouring each other as we sometimes do, but rather continuing to reach out, we can tap, top, topple the kingdoms of darkness we can change the world when we come together. When we are in a community together, we can change the world. Any one of us, the world can stop. Any one of us, the devil can stop. But when we are together, we keep coming. The devil might knock one of us out, but somebody else is there. And we're going forward, and we're loving. And, and that's one of the reasons why this City Fest thing, I know it's a one-day or a, a several-day event. It's more than that. But, but you know what? You can say, well, it, 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 it was so what? I think so what is that we're going to have over 350 churches in Grand Rapids saying there's one church in Grand Rapids. And we're going to say, you know what? We're going to fight against poverty. We're going to fight against racism. We're going to tell people about Jesus Christ and that he is the source of life. And if we do that together, if we do that together, we can change the world. On our own, on your own, you're not that much. So don't be on your own. Don't hang out on your own. Live in community. The ants store up on God's word. The conies stay close to the rock. The locusts work together. And then the lizard. The lizard. Great. Go to church and Ron calls me a lizard, right? Great. A lizard can be caught with a hand. He's not talking about some monster gear lizard, okay? He's talking about one of the cute little fellows like this. They're cute, but I hate them, okay? I'm just, I don't like lizards. Um, I don't, they just are weird. They got that long tongue thing. But, you know, a lizard like this, you, you can catch it with your hands. Really, it, it's not that hard to get a hold of it. Again, it's not got long legs. It, it, it's got the long tail and so on. They're often, you know, not always hidden that well. They, they, you know, they can stand out with their bright colors and so on. Lizards are not great, powerful animals. They don't have big, strong teeth that can rip you apart. Lizards, well, a lizard can be caught with a hand. But Hager says this, think about it. They can be found in king's palaces. 
The king lets them into his throne room. They would have in that day. You see, it, it would have happened that, that, that if you went into the throne room of the king, and everybody wanted to get into the throne room of the king, right? You wanted to be by the power people. You wanted to be the guy who had all the resources. You wanted to be by the king. And, 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 and so everybody was trying to get into the king's room. Everybody was trying to say, you know what, I got great resources, king. I can help you on the king's like, I don't need your help. And, 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 and so many people, by trying to be great, could never get in to be king. But you know what, in that day, honestly, you would have found lizards all over the throne room. You would have found lizards hanging out on the wall. Why? Why can the lieutenant commander not get into the king's palace, but the lizard can? You want to know why? You want to know why? Here's what I think. They eat bugs. Lizards do the work that nobody else wants to do. Lizards eat bugs. Again, in those days, they didn't have air conditioning, and so they had, it just was wide open. You wanted the windows as wide open. In Egypt, it's hot. In the Middle East, it's hot. And so you want the, the air to go flying through as much as you can. And so that means you get flies. That means you get mosquitoes. That means you get all sorts of bugs and insects inside of the palace, and they're all there. But you know what? You got lizards, they'll just eat them. You got lizards. So the king says, do not throw out the lizards. Do not throw out the lizards, because they'll do the menial work. They'll do the things nobody else will do for us. I think what Agar is saying is, you want to be in God's presence? Be a servant. God doesn't need our power. God doesn't need our wisdom. God doesn't need our great ideas. What God needs and wants from us is to serve each other. It's to, to, to love each other. Jesus came. Agar knew it beforehand. But Jesus came and he says, you want to be great? Then be a servant. You want to have a king notice you? Then wash somebody else's feet. That's where greatness is. Agar says, look at the lizard. It's figured out how to get into the place of power. Now again, we're saved by grace. Don't get me wrong on that. I'll talk about that in a minute. But you know, that lizard has, has figured out that the way into the king's heart it's to do what nobody else will do. It's to eat the bugs. And so too for us. God doesn't need you because you're so powerful or important or wealthy. He's got plenty. What he needs us to do is love the unlovable. It's to welcome those who don't have a home. It's to care for those who are weak and alone. Be servants. We get to be with the king. The ant, look at the ant, and store up God's word. The coney, stay close to the rock. The locust, work together. The lizard, be a servant. This is good advice. It really is to remember to chew out God's word, to stay close to Jesus, to, to share life together, to be a servant. I know it all. I know what I should do. And, and, and so I want to close by saying, I know I should do this, but, but how do I get myself to do these things? I know that I should stay closer to Jesus Christ, but sometimes shiny things grab my attention and, and I slide away a little bit. I know I should store up God's word, but, you know, I'd, I'd rather watch the NBA finals or the golf tournament or play my video game. I know I should work together, but frankly, sometimes you guys are not easy to work with. And I'd like to be alone and away from y'all. And I'd rather have you serve me than me serve you. I know I should do these things. 
So how do I do it? How do I get myself to live and be as smart as an ant, as smart as a lizard? I want to close with just giving you three things on this. And, and the first thing I want to say is we do this by God's grace and with God's help. It's not by trying harder. None of us will get better by trying harder because we just fail. The way we grow is by God's grace. Knowing that when we fail, we are forgiven and that God's help comes to us. I know what I need to do, but I need even more than that. I need God's help to help me get there. I need God's grace to forgive me when I'm not as smart as the locust or the ant or the lizard or the coney. And I need God's power to help me get a little bit better. In my life, I experience change not usually in huge, big moments, but just in day after day, experiencing God's grace and growing little by little. Number one, we grow and we do these things not on our own, but by God's grace and with God's help. Number two, we do these things not on our own, but by God's grace, by God's help. Number three, we do these things not on our own, but by God's grace and with God's help. Friends, the Holy Spirit is alive. And I want to surrender and say, God, fill me. I want to stay close to the rock. I want to be a servant. I want, I want to live in community. So God, you've got to help me. This summer... This summer, you go outside, keep your eyes open, look at God's little guys, and learn from them. When the ant is walking, say, God, help me right now today to store up your word. When you see a coney, take a picture and send it to me, because we don't have any around here. You're on vacation. One of those animals that you know is only safe by the rocks, then remember Friends, the rock is our safe place. Remember that. We need each other. Grasshopper, see one, no problem. Imagine 100 million. And then again, the lizard. You see a little guy scurrying around. Serve somebody. Serve somebody. Let's pray together. Father, We'd like to think that uh, we're ready to learn from the lions and the tigers and the bears, oh my. But maybe we got to set our sights a little lower and recognize we're a lot more like lizards and locusts, like conies and ants. Remind us, Father, that it's not about how big we are, but it's about how big you are. And help us to learn to live as little people in the hands of a great God, as little deeply loved people in the hands of a great God. And so we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We stand and sing a song of response. Praise God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.
Again, if you want to talk with someone or pray with someone, you're going to be some folks in the prayer room there after the service. People of God, as you go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will go with you. Go in God's grace. Amen.